Welcome to 7-Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. In this podcast, we explore the weekly Torah portion in about 7 to 10 minutes. We make modern meaning out of ancient texts, exploring them through liberal Jewish eyes. To become a supporter of this podcast, please visit patreon.com slash 7-Minute Torah. Happy Hanukkah, everyone. Hope you're having a great holiday. We all need a little bit of light right now, when the world feels so dark. So I hope you've had a chance to celebrate with some family and friends and community. We had a great program last night through La Asok, where we lit the candles on Zoom and then spent an hour talking about the meaning of the Hanukkah candles by studying some Talmudic texts. Uh, And if you missed it, by the way, it's on our YouTube page. Now we're going to look at this week's parasha, but first a reminder of what I announced last week, which is that in January we are launching two new study groups, weekly study groups, one that will be studying a chapter of Talmud, probably a chapter related to blessings and prayers, and one that will be looking at the weekly Torah portion through the eyes of Midrash, the rabbinic, and other stories about the stories in the Torah. If you're interested in either of those, shoot me an email at rabbistreifer at gmail.com, or you can just go to laasok.org, L-A-A-S-O-K dot org, and send me a message from there. And for that matter, anybody who'd like to be on the Laasok mailing list and find out about various upcoming programs and learning opportunities, just go to the website or send me an email. We're regularly sending out information about learning opportunities. Now, let's talk about this week's Parsha. We're reading Miketz. Miketz starts at the beginning of Genesis chapter 41, and it continues through the middle of chapter 44, up through verse 17. And as we read Miketz, we are reading part two of the Joseph saga. Last week in Vayeshev, we watched Joseph tell his brothers his dreams of grandeur, and then get sold as a slave down in Egypt. He ends up in an Egyptian prison, having been framed by his master's wife for adultery and thrown in jail. And as we pick up the story this week, we will watch Joseph's meteoric rise, all in one chapter, in fact, all in Genesis 41, from guy in jail to grand vizier over all Egypt. And of course, the story of that is also the story of dreams. Joseph interprets the dreams of the Pharaoh, lands himself a job, and ultimately puts himself in a position not only to help the Egyptian people, but also to help his brothers and to reunite with his brothers toward the end of this week's Torah portion when they come down to Egypt in the midst of famine looking for food. In past years, I've talked a lot about Joseph. I've talked about his intentions toward his brothers, whether he's playing a game with them or whether he genuinely wants to reunite with them. I've talked about Joseph's children, Ephraim and Menashe, and the ways that they represent diaspora Jewish life. This week, as I was reading the parasha, I was struck not only by Joseph, but also by the stories of Judah, Joseph's older brother. Now, Judah is the fourth son of Jacob. He's the eponymous ancestor of the tribe of Judah, and therefore also of the Jewish people, since Jews are descended largely from Judah. So Judah, of course, plays an important role 
not only in the Torah, but also in a Jewish ethos as the ancestor of the tribe. And one of the things that we see as we make our way through these Joseph stories especially is the continuing growth of Judah. He goes about regularly distinguishing himself from his brothers in some way. So for example, last week, when the brothers were all conspiring to kill Joseph because they were so angry at him for their father's favoritism of him, it was Judah that steps forward and says, no guys, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. So Judah separates himself out and comes up with what we might call a slightly less bad solution to the problem. Similarly, later in last week's Parsha, we learn about a strange liaison between Judah and his own daughter-in-law, Tamar, the wife of his dead sons, two of them, in fact, who, well, it's a long story, and truly, our Torah study group spent a whole hour on it last week, but the bottom line of it is that Judah and his family had shirked their responsibility to take care of Tamar, this woman who was married into the family, and so Tamar has to seduce him in order to produce an heir so that she can be taken care of and the family can have a proper heir. And if you think that's weird, I totally agree, and one of these years we'll spend a whole thing on that story. But the point here is that Judah takes responsibility. When Tamar calls him out for what he's done wrong, he steps up and says, yes, she's right and I'm wrong. So there we have two stories in last week's Parsha, where Judah is portrayed as imperfect but learning. The first one where, I mean, let's be honest, Judah was no saint. He didn't say, come on guys, let's not kill him. Instead, he sold him into slavery. So he did something that was slightly better than his brothers. And the commentators are not real easy on him. They say, it is not praiseworthy to be less wicked than one's companions. But at the same time, Judah does distinguish himself for trying to save Joseph, even through selling him. And similarly with this Judah and Tamar story, Judah is no saint. He's done something wrong. He has shirked a responsibility. But when Tamar steps up and says, hey, you were wrong, he says, yes, I was. So Judah here seems to be on kind of a trajectory of learning and growth. He's not an angel by any stretch, but he seems to be learning how to take responsibility for his actions. And that's what we see in this week's Parsha. So in chapter 43, Joseph has met his brothers in disguise. They don't know who he is, but of course he knows who they are. He accuses them of being traitors or spies and sends them home. Because, of course, he wants them to come back with his full brother, Benjamin. The brothers are despondent. They go home to their father, Jacob, and say, That man there won't give us any food and won't allow us to come back unless we have our brother, Benjamin. And Jacob, of course, doesn't want to send Benjamin because he's already lost one son. And he's worried about losing his other favorite son. So in this scenario, it's Judah who steps forward to take responsibility. This is chapter 43, verse 8. It says, Vayomer Yehuda el Yisrael, Judah said to his father Israel, Let the lad, Benjamin, go with me, and let us get up and be on our way, that we may live and not die. In other words, Judah says, 
I'll take responsibility for Benjamin. I'll be the one to make sure that he's okay, to make sure that he returns to you safely, because I know that that's what you're worried about. Nobody else does that. None of the other brothers offer to take responsibility for Benjamin in this way. And in fact, at the beginning of next week's Parsha, Judah will have to do exactly that. After Benjamin is arrested by Joseph and Joseph is threatening to keep him, Judah is the one who steps forward to vouch for him. That's the name of next week's Parsha, Vayigash, which means he stepped forward. So Judah is evolving from someone who would sell his brother into slavery into someone who would vouch for his brother with his own life to keep his brother out of slavery. Some modern commentators have suggested that this transformation in Judah is the result of his very strange encounter in last week's parasha with his daughter-in-law, Tamar, where she called him out and he stepped up and said, yes, I was wrong. Dr. Naomi Steinberg points out that there are some very clear connections between the two stories. In both cases, you have Judah meeting someone in disguise, either Tamar in last week's Parsha or Joseph in this week's Parsha. In both cases, you have the verb lehakir, which means to recognize or to acknowledge, in which somebody recognizes or acknowledges who someone else is. And in both cases, and this is now from the Women's Torah Commentary, put out by the Central Conference of American Rabbis, the word pledge appears. So Tamar demands a pledge from Judah, and this week Judah pledges, using the same word, to care for Benjamin. And Naomi Steinberg suggests, quote, possibly Judah's rise to prominence in this parasha results from the transformation he had undergone when Tamar quietly called him to account. Now, I can't say for sure whether that was the catalyst for it or not, but I do think we are watching Judah grow, especially in his ability to take responsibility. Now, that may be because Judah represents the tribe of Judah, which is the main tribe of the Jewish people. Therefore, he has to be the hero of the story. But at the same time, I think it's a message to us about what it is to be a hero. Judah is in some sense the hero of this story, but he is deeply imperfect. He does all kinds of things wrong. He gets all kinds of things incorrect. And yet, the ability to admit mistakes, to take responsibility, to care about other people's needs and requirements and well-being, these distinguish him as different from everyone else in the story. And in the end, when Judah steps forward next week, that transformation may very well be what Joseph sees in him and may be the reason that Joseph decides to reconcile with his brothers. So I think we have here a story about growth. And it says that being a hero isn't about being perfect. It's about recognizing where you've gone wrong, recognizing when you've hurt others, owning up to it, and striving to do your best going forward. Even with the knowledge that we're going to screw up all over again, and we still have a lot left to learn. Thanks for listening, everyone. Chag Sameach, and have a good week. 
Seven Minute Torah is a production of La Asok. Sacred texts, modern meaning. If you enjoy this program, please consider becoming a sponsor at patreon.com slash 7minutetorah. For more information about upcoming learning opportunities, go to laasoka.org, L-A-A-S-O-K.org. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. Thanks for listening.